0: Good morning and welcome everyone to today's focus for Tuesday, November the 29th, 2022 at 10:47 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, the hermeneutical key. Okay, may- maybe maybe I should And maybe I should give this the title, hermeneutical key. I didn't really give that as the title. I gave the title Sovereign Grace and Mercy. So I I don't know. Should I call this the hermeneutical key or should I call this Sovereign Grace and Mercy? You'll see why. Because in a roundabout way, I think we've stumbled upon... Maybe you haven't been paying attention, but I think we've stumbled upon the hermeneutical key to understand Exodus chapter 33. We've been working on that now for a couple of days, and I hope, I hope you have had as much time focusing in on Exodus chapter 33 as I have. This may be one of those situations where I might, today's focus for the next week will be Exodus 33, and the rest of you was kind of like, eh. Whatever. And you, you, you didn't care, but I, I am committed to Exodus chapter 33 because once I get focused in on a chapter, I, I have a hard time letting it go, right? Because there's so many questions. So, and Exodus 33 has been somewhat challenging, but we've been walking through it in a sense, kind of verse by verse. And I believe today we finally stumble upon the hermeneutical key. I think that concept of a hermeneutical key is important. I think in many cases within every book of the Bible, within every chapter of the Bible, there is one hermeneutical key that helps you really unlock the proper meaning to the book or to the chapter. Now, I'm not saying that it's always simple to find. I'm not always saying I'm not saying that people will always agree. But I think it's always important to try to figure out, so what's the hermeneutical key there? What, what, what's the hermeneutical key that you think unlocks the interpretation to that book or to that chapter? And, and I, I, I think we need to do some more exploring that concept. But I think in Exodus 33, we have stumbled upon the hermeneutical key. I really do. I really, 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 really believe uh, believe that. So are you ready? Okay, let's remind ourselves. Exodus 33 is a fascinating chapter because in Exodus 33, we have God telling Moses and telling Israel, hey, go up and take the land, the land I promised your fathers, the land I I made a covenant with you. You're going to get the promise. You're going to get the land. I'm going to do exactly what I said. Go, and I will send an angel before you to drive out all of the peoples, all right. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my promise. I'm gonna keep my covenant. You get the land. Go. I send the angel. However, this is God speaking to to Moses and and basically to Israel. I'm not going with you. I can't go with you. If I'm in the midst of you, I'm going to to basically destroy you because you are a stiff necked people because of your sin and your rebellion and your stubbornness. I, look, I'm going to keep my promise, but I can't go with you. So you go, but I'll send the angel before you. Then we see God, even though he's not in the midst of Israel, in a sense, he's not, he's not in the midst of them. He's still near them because he's outside the camp in the tabernacle. Now you read all of this in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 6 is God saying, go, but I can't go with you, or I won't go with you. Verse 7 through 11 is God outside the camp in the tabernacle. All right. So even though it's it's just, it's kind of just interesting, hey, go, I can't go with you, but I'm still going to be close to you. I'm going to be in the tabernacle, which again is, is a sign of God's mercy, God's grace. I just think that's fascinating. Then starting in verse 12, Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 through 17 Moses prays to God, and he's basically like, hey, look, I, I, I want you with us. If, in fact, if you're not going to be with us, don't even send us up. Don't even send us into the land. We need you. We need you in a sense more than we need the land. We need you. And then God's like, okay, I'll go with you. And you're like, wait, wait. So go, but I won't go with you. Okay, but I'll go. And you're like, what? What happens here? It, it's so. It seems so confusing. And yesterday, I think we started finding, I think we started finding the answer. I think we started finding the answer. So let me try to help you with the answer, right? I can't go back and read all of this because today's focus is is supposed to be about 15 minutes. So just stay with me. It's almost as if God has used this entire situation to try to demonstrate this. Look, Moses, you in Israel, you're sinners, you're sinners. I can't be with you because I would destroy you. And Moses is like, but we need you. Be with us. And Moses, what he what he appeals to is fascinating. He doesn't appeal to the fact that, well, Israel's good and I'm good and we're great and we, we're wonderful. No, he appeals to the fact, if we have found grace in your sight, if I have found grace in your eyes, then go with us. Moses appeals to the grace of God. It is absolutely fascinating. We'll just read it quickly. Um, Exodus, and if I said Isaiah, I don't know why. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom will send with me. Yet thou thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. See, so he, so Moses begins to appeal to God, look, you have said that I have found grace in your sight. Now, when this phrase, I have found grace in your sight, I think we understand this as when, when anyone in the Old Testament finds grace in the sight of God, it's not because of something they have done or something they are doing. They have found s- grace in the sight of God because God has sovereignly given them that grace he has he given his grace to them they don't deserve it Moses doesn't deserve God's grace Israel doesn't deserve God's grace but he but Moses is saying hey I found grace in your sight but if I have found grace in your sight now look what he says now therefore I pray thee if I, if I have found grace in thy sight show me now thy way that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is, Thy people. Look, I have found grace. Help me find more grace. <laughs> Please give me even more grace. And don't forget, Don't. not only that, don't forget me. Don't forget this people. Right? Don't see this. Remember, this nation is your people. See this nation in light of your grace. Verse 14, Moses says, my presence shall. Uh, uh, and he said, okay, God speaks. Verse 14. Exodus thirty three fourteen 14, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. All of a sudden, God seems to change his mind. He's not changing his mind. What he's demonstrating is, because of grace, I will go with you. If I look at you, if I look at the people, if I see you guys as you are, I see stiff-necked rebellion. But instead of looking at you through what you are, I'm going to look through you through the eyes of grace. And that's how it always has to be. If God's ever going to be with us, it has to be based off grace, not about about what we are. Verse fifteen, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, carry us not up hence. So then Moses is like, Yes, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't even want the land. Verse sixteen, then Moses says, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not, and that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and the people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? He's like, how are the people going to know that we're, in a sense, separated or special? How, how are the people going to know anything about us? It's not going to be based off our, how we live. Look, if the world would have looked at Israel, they would have been like rebellious, sinful, idolaters, ungodly. I mean, over and over and over and over Um, I mean, I mean, so even even when you look in, at, listen to some history programs about Israel, they're like, well, they really weren't monotheistic. They were, they 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 believed in many gods because of all of their idolatry. So even history, when they look at Israel, they're like, yeah, I don't know if they just believed in one god. They, they were constantly worshiping idols because Israel was constantly sinning. So what separated Israel from the other nations wasn't their godliness, their strength, and their wisdom. It was the presence of God, and he was there by grace. All right. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. See, the reason God's going to do this is because of grace. Now, to me, that's already giving uh, given us the clear clue. That, that tells me that the whole reason God appears to, quote unquote, change his mind, he wasn't changing his mind. It was either, if I look at you and see your sin, I can't go with you. I would destroy you. But instead, I'm going to see you through my sovereign grace. And to drive this point home is the hermeneutical cl- uh, clue, the hermeneutical key that we come to today. Exodus thirty-three, eighteen, 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. So, so Moses says, show me your glory. And he said, now look here, carefully. This is God speaking to Moses. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. That is the key. And you say, what's the key? The key is that God's mercy and grace is sovereign. He will show mercy on whom he will show mercy. He will show grace on whom he will show grace. It has nothing to do with what we do. God sovereignly gives his mercy and grace to whom he chooses to give it. In some cases, he doesn't give mercy and grace. And in some cases, he does. And it doesn't make any sense. Why would God show mercy and grace to Israel? They're stiff-necked. They're rebellious. They're idolaters. They're ungodly. Why? Because God sovereignly chose them. Why would God show mercy and grace to Moses who murdered someone for crying out loud? Because God shows mercy on, on, on who he shows mercy and will show grace on who he will show grace. He didn't show mercy and grace on Pharaoh, hardened his heart. He didn't show mercy upon the Egyptians, but he showed mercy to Israel. Other nations, he doesn't show mercy and grace to. He doesn't dwell in the midst of them. He doesn't give them his law. He doesn't do all the prophets and the priests and all the stuff that Israel received. No. In fact, he tells his people to go go in. I'm going to send the angel before you. And we're going to drive those people out and you're going to have the land. God sovereignly shows mercy in whom he will show mercy and grace on whom he will show Grace. So we read Exodus 33, and we're like, well, wait a minute. God God says he won't go, but then he'll go. It's all because if he go, he can't go if he sees the people as they are, sinners. But if he sees the people through his grace and mercy, he can go with them because his grace and mercy, well, will not hold the people accountable for that sin in a sense he will have to destroy them, but he will show grace and mercy upon them. This is a beautiful picture of understanding God's mercy and grace is the result of God's sovereign choice. You did not receive God's grace and mercy because you were smarter than other people and you figured out Christianity was true. You didn't receive God's grace and mercy because you did this or you did that or you said a sinner's prayer or you walked an aisle. You received God's grace and mercy purely because of his sovereign will. If you are the recipients of God's grace and mercy today, you should be broken and humbled and you should only say, why me? lord why not them when you look at the world you should not look at them with disgust and like you're better than them you're more godly than them and you despise them and you no you should see them and go lord why not them why me? I'm no better than them. I'm no smarter than them. I'm no more godly than them. And we're not. We may want to pretend that we are, but we're just as sinners. We still have the same sinful nature and we sin all the time. We may sin in a different way, but we're still sinning. The only difference is the only difference, difference between me and anyone else is I am the recipient of God's sovereign grace and mercy because He decides who He will have grace and mercy upon. We don't. He does. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve to touch a Bible, hold a Bible. I don't deserve to be in front of this microphone. I don't deserve to be at a church. I don't deserve anything. I deserve judgment. I deserve to be consumed. If God was to go uh, to be in the midst of me based off who I am and what I am, he would say, I can't go with you. You are a stiff-necked person. You should be consumed and destroyed. And I would have to be. Amen. This is true. But God says, "I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and compassion on whom I will have compassion." What blows me away about Exodus 33 is everyone gets all caught up and go. So wait a minute. What did Moses see when when he passed by? What 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 did he see? And and everyone tries to figure out exactly what happens here. Stop. Focus on the the revelation God gives about himself. Let me read it to you again. Exodus 33, verse 19. I will make all my goodness pass before thee and will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Mercy, and he said, there can't uh, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live, but he's going to show grace and mercy to Moses, and how is he going to show grace and mercy to Moses he's going to let him see something he's going to show something to him. How is he showing grace and mercy to Israel? He is going to go up in the midst of them, even though they are a stiff-necked people. How is he showing mercy and grace? To Moses. Well, Moses had found grace in the sight of God, and he's going to go up in the midst of them, and he's going to be there with them, even though they are a stiff-necked people. Oh, yes, will they experience chastisement? Yes. will they experience t- ch- times of chastisement for their sin, but even that shows grace and mercy, because that's God's loving disciple, d- discipline. The key to understanding this seemingly confusing back and forth is it, God either looks at Israel and sees their sin, which they're a stiff-necked people and he can't go with them, or he will show that he, they will find grace in his sight. He will remember his grace and mercy towards them. And then right here, why do they get it? Not because we deserve it. God's grace and God's mercy is a sovereign gift from God. You don't earn it. You do not do anything to receive it. and You can't do anything to keep it. And you can't do anything to lose it. God will show mercy in whom he will show mercy. He will show grace in whom he will show grace. That concept is repeated in the book of Romans. You should figure out where it's found in the book of Romans and see what doctrine it's connected to. That is your today's focus for Tuesday, November the 29th, 2022. The hermeneutical key, God's sovereign grace and mercy. Thanks for listening.